So welcome back. Hopefully we'll make some kind of progress today. <laughs> There's always... Instead of just warning you. I always have hope. <laughs> so we are, <laughs> we are going to start this uh, text number 40. And um, there are several paragraphs of this text following which are connected with the um, role of spiritual father and the uh, role of disciple. And, uh, well, it is from a monastic like, environment, but uh, we can learn a lot of from, from, this, from this part. Okay, let's wait a second. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Hello. Thank you, you came. <laughs> All right, so text 40. When you have taken up your dwelling with a spiritual father and find that he helps you, let no one separate you from his love and from living with him. Do not judge him in any respect. Do not revile him, even though he censures or strikes you. Do not listen to someone who slanders him to you. Do not side with anyone who criticizes him, lest the Lord should be angered with you and blot you out of the book of the living. Yeah. You hit me, I'm hitting back. I just want you to know. What? I said, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. I just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he strikes you, it says. Yeah. Well, those instructions are like Theodorus. He gives us like these uh, fundaments, or some just just this skeleton of spiritual life. Uh, this some kind of basic structure, and one of those things is uh, this role of spiritual father and relationship towards him. Now, we have to realize one thing that. This was, from the beginning, some kind of conditions that, uh, for example, St. Simeon, the new theologian, he's, when he talks about spiritual life, so when he, sa- uh, he says that after we come to believe, we start to believe in Christ, the first thing we are supposed to do is to find a spiritual father the first thing. And we should pray and ask God with tears to give us one. And uh, it, it's not something that was somehow invented in monasteries. It's something that what, uh, is very biblical. I just want to point to uh, two examples. There are more, but two. If you remember, remember uh, young Samuel, when he was young and he lived with Halley, Halley? How is pronunciation? This, what? Eli, this, word, this priest? I don't know correct pronunciation, you know, in English, but when he was called by God in the middle of night 
He didn't trust this voice. He went to the priest to ask what he's supposed to do. And uh, he followed advice of that priest. And what we see uh, as, a, as a second example, just which they use Holy Fathers very often, is what happened uh, in a moment when this encounter Paul Shaul with Christ on his way to Damascus. And it was deep, mystical experience, really. Uh, Christ personally uh, talked to Paul, but still he sent him to Ananias. And he said, he will explain you everything. And the Holy Father, they, they, they say this, it was, it was this way. And even, like, if you want to use Paul again, he went to Jerusalem to, to ask apostles what to do. So he was not doing by things by himself. It was always this, this some kind of uh, searching for advice. It's very biblical, and, uh, and it came to practical life of Christians. Now, um, in the life of these uh, uh, first monks, it was evident that they were, they were following that. And uh, <coughs> this uh, uh, need for guidance was necessary because they found on their own lie in their own lives that to avoid that brings damage to spiritual life. The thing is that we very easily can put some kind of own measures for ourselves. And even we can do <coughs> the best way. But, uh, what, we, what I can do and we live in this illusion and it leads, it, it is like temptation and it causes huge damage to our soul. Um, very, very, very common problem is that, for example, I'm reading Life of Saints and I see uh, that the saint was doing some kind of ascetical exercise. For example, uh, um, I had, during that meeting today, this, uh, we saw folks, uh, somebody asked that, well, some, uh, there were saints who were using this bodily punishment, they were wiping their back, you know, to, or they, they throw themselves to among thorns, to uh, conquer temptations, you know, that, well, uh, why it is not, why those things are not present in present time. And uh, I, I told him, well, this, this is something what we see it work in their lives. And many times 
when we are experiencing similar problems or even different problems, we think that we can heal ourselves with those things we we find in the life of saints. So we apply them by ourselves. And this is the problem because uh, we have to remember that we all are unique. Our, we were created in unique way and special way. And uh, so even our spiritual life is unique. There is, there is a not the same. Everybody has own path. And everybody deals with different difficulties. Now, I can easily can uh, go to somehow temptation to follow um, these exercises, way of spiritual life of others. I'm not talking about the okay, prayer time to follow that or structure of prayer. And no, I'm talking about this some kind of these exercises. Um, more extreme a little bit or very hard but usually if we follow that without blessing our spiritual father we will ruin our spiritual life you know because we are doing it from our own will and many times we have to really it's not about to ask for for permission, you know, even like in monasteries, you are required to, to ask for permission to do something. But in our world, it's, it's more to offer, look, this is my thought, this is an idea. It's we are offering to spiritual father for judgment because we don't trust ourselves. And trust me, uh, many times happened that uh, some kind of things they imposed, they tr were trying to impose on themselves, I cut it half, or I said no to this, because it would be danger for the person. You can be uh, zealous, you can be like, okay, I can do this, I can handle that, but well, uh, it's, it's, uh, in the end, because that spiritual father knows your heart, knows your state of your heart, and so it means that uh, uh, he he has different perspective. And even through this, uh, there is a grace in work in this. So it is always better to to check it. Uh, usually, uh, how it is expressed, it is to search for blessing. You know, that uh, blessing for this and this activity and this and this activity. And uh, there were like, now like, uh, there are three priests who have started these meetings, similar meetings that we have in Slovakia, in the parishes. And I told them as the first, because they called me and I said, well, how to do it practically? And I told them the first thing you have to do is to ask Bishop for blessing. Not for permission, you don't need permission for that. Asking for blessing, you know, uh, for doing that. And uh, with that, it is some kind of 
you are gaining some kind of like even like protection in this from acting of demons and you are you know that you are not fulfilling your will and and this is uh, another protection because if it works so then you know that well you cannot take credit for yourself i did that you know i did that so it is it is very important to know now when monks were entering to monast uh, to monasteries, and especially in a, I don't know, I'm not familiar how it was in the West. I, I don't want to talk about that because I I am not sure. But in the East, usually it was this way that in the beginning, when there were not big monasteries, just this more these aramids and with uh, small brotherhoods. So a candidate for monastic life, he came to elder, elder, an elder. He knew that this elder was known, that he's holy, and so he said, I want to be your disciple. Uh, there were some kind of testing period and everything. But once he became like member of brotherhood, so this elder became his spiritual father, and uh, so he was like uh, following what this spiritual father told him. And it was more in these monasteries, little monasteries, was really that they, at first, what they wanted is to cut off own will, you know, to, and to replace it with, with God's will. And the practice was. Uh, that they were practicing through fulfillment, like these orders of their elder. This was the rough way how to do this, and uh, it was it was sometimes it is uh, very strange to read these stories. For example, this um, uh, elder Ephraim from Arizona, he died recently. And when he was talking about his elder, this elder Joseph from Athos, he said that from the time he entered the, the, the brotherhood, he said this elder had no nice word for him. He was really uh, telling, yelling at him that he's lazy, disobedient, uh, and whatever, you know, that. Uh, so, and he said that. This was like he take he took everything, like accepted and he asked for permission. But it was harsh, very harsh. But then he uh, he said, "I I learned um, after many years from those who were witnesses of this his harsh acting that when he was like yelling at him and that he's lazy and go away, go away from my." I don't want to see you, go do your duty. He said, but when he left, that elder started to bless him and he was crying from joy. He said, how huge progress this man is, made, is doing. Mm. You know, that, that, so these elders, were, they were not like nice guys. They were tough guys. And uh, they, uh, they really, uh, knew 
how to break this heart. And actually, this was like first time when I somehow back in Slovakia we didn't have monasteries when I was growing um, because of communists. They there was there were nothing. So some uh, there was no books or anything. But when I was in seminary, our rector invited us to his office, several like Byzantine Catholics. And he played, because he recorded from Austrian TV, um, document about life in a monastery, I don't know, it was Finland or Russia, I don't know, but the Slavic Orthodox monastery. And uh, they were saying that, that the one monk, he was saying that the first thing monk has to execute in monastery when he comes, he has to break his will. And he said, it has to be done violently. Mm. Because we, if this is not happened, so he will never be good monk. He said he has to, and, and it was like, for me at the time, it was strange to hear that, well, you go to monastery and the role of this novice master or whatever is to break totally your will, you know, to delete it, you know, in some way. It was like, oh my, I couldn't digest that. Then I slowly started to understand more. But uh, it was first time when I, I was, I encountered this, this radical approach. And uh, there are like uh, some of these uh, Holy Fathers, they describe uh, this elder, the spiritual father, that he is like that person who makes from uh, clay vases. Uh, what is A potter? Yes. And he said that what he has to do that he has to take this raw clay at first to clean it. Then he has to need that, you know, to become like nice. And then he has to, with his finger, force this clay to take shape, beautiful shape. And, uh, and he said that if monk is obedient to the elder, so elder has this, uh, can form, beautiful form from this formless clay. And it will be very, very, uh, very, um, in the end, very beautiful piece, precious, you know. And, uh, but, well, Again, they stress this that is uh, how how in this this text is that um, when you started to live with your spiritual f- father, uh, he said at first that uh, he has to pay attention. The monk may nobody separates him from the spiritual father. 
So it means that if you find, so we have to stay with that. There's another problem is that uh, what is, what is uh, I don't know how it is here in America, you know, but I, I can see that I saw this problem in Slovakia that uh, uh, it was, it, it, it didn't matter where to go for confession. You know, you go where you go, it was this confession. So uh, there, were, there were like some kind of part of parish, usually they go to the prison parish, but you had like, especially in, in cities, uh, people were going here and there, you know, where was shorter line, you know, that, so they went there. And it became a habit for them. So actually they didn't have a spiritual father. And one of the things uh, what uh, we learn from these textbooks of spiritual life is you have to search for a spiritual father and when you find it, stay with him. Stay with him uh, because uh, uh, if you are making like switches, you know, so then uh, he will be not able to help you. And actually you can get even like confusing like instructions. For example, your spiritual father tells you to do something. And then you go to another who doesn't know you and you confess your sin and he gives you totally different like advice. And you say you are confused and now what what is going on? There are contradicts. But well you have to remember that your spiritual father is taking the mind previous your life, state of your heart. He knows you. So his advice will be totally different from somebody who doesn't know you who just hear these few sins. <coughs> so to avoid these confusions, it's important, they think. Another thing is that uh, uh, it should be some kind of relationship. Um, because that the relationship helps you to be open. And, uh, and, uh, Sometimes a person can do something of, about which they're deeply ashamed and, and deeply troubled. And it could be easier to go to a priest who doesn't know them and they don't know the priest and they can make a good confession. But by going to the same priest all the time, that priest sees that act in the context of your entire life exactly. and your entire spiritual journey and as, a sh as embarrassing and shaming as it is if it's truly your spiritual father he's going to help you better than anyone else can I mean it's just it's, it's more difficult sometimes the more you know your spiritual father but when you start 
hiding things from the spiritual father, you're losing out. You're just not going to, um, you're not going to get the best benefit out of it. You're not going to grow as fast or at all. Um, so it's, it, it, it makes a difference. That's why some people go from place to place because then they can kind of use that anonymity. Um, yeah. But yeah, true. But there, but uh, there's one problem, you know, that um, we can we can say that we cannot find the spiritual father. It's easy, and it's it's uh, something what is really common. Not only these times like. Who translated Philokalia, this senpai Silvelskowski? He wrote a letter once as an answer to one priest. The priest uh, was uh, asking for advice. He said that he's searching for a spiritual father, he cannot find one. Because spiritual father should have some kind of qualities. You know, that. it has to have some kind of experience in spiritual life, uh, etc. Well, and this uh, this uh, Velchkovsky, he wrote him this that well, this shows that in our times you cannot find a lot of spiritual fathers, and uh, uh, so what he what he gave us advice is until you find one, uh, choose a saint who will lead you. What we are doing here. So we were like five years under guidance of St. Ignatius. Now we are, this year we are in the guidance of St. Theodorus. <coughs> and he said, do it and, and uh, receive that saint as your spiritual father. Ask him to become your spiritual father until God will not give you one. But we have to approach him with the same obedience. So if we are like reading now, if we do it like this practically, that, well, if it took St. Theodore said, okay, be our spiritual father, for this our community, for this year or more, if it is needed. Uh, so we want to be your disciples. It means we are going to be obedient to your word. And so it means that we are not studying that like from just to gain some kind of knowledge what they were teaching. We are reading that and realizing this is his word for us. This is what he wants us to do in our life. And uh, uh, I was talking with, I mentioned I talked to the, those priests who were started these preparations, and one of them, he gave me a very nice idea, inspiration, what he's doing, and I a little bit transformed that and uh, uh, and I want to offer this his idea, which I modified for us, uh, is that it would be great 
you know, like in personal life, for sure in these times it is, it is almost necessary to choose a spiritual father from among those saints. Bianca, you know, Theodoros or Theophan der Clus or Climac, um, Climacus, St. John Climacus or others. And I would say, have their icon, get their icon. Put it to your prayer corner and to, to, have, to, have, to ask him every day, help me. I want to be your disciple and to study their teachings, their words. And to take them as a, the saint is talking to me how to live and to follow that. I think that if we, we are like saints who are our patrons, we are saying. So in the same way to choose as a, our guide, one of these great teachers of spiritual life, to really have, to have the icons, to pray to them, to beg them for help in temptations, to call upon them, and to ask for help, for advice, for instruction, and studying their works. I think this would be, I said this modif I modified a little bit what he was, his idea, but I liked very much, very much this, this idea. And we are doing that, but maybe to make another step to deepen this relationship with this saint. All right, let's go. Let's make it some kind of progress. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle to achieve obedience is won by means of renunciation, as we have learned. He who seeks to be obedient must arm himself with three weapons, faith, hope, and divine and holy love. Thus defended, he will fight the good fight and receive a crown of righteousness. Well, actually we covered that. Uh, we were talking about this obedience, about this breaking of our will, what is necessary, uh, that is obedience. Um, uh, this obedience to spiritual father always was understood like obedience towards Christ. You know that, uh, and um, it's always somehow, uh, it's difficult many times. But um, these difficulties really uh, uh, form us. Uh, one, one like elder, he um, uh, used that as and well, he was talking about uh, he he talked to young men who came from the world. And uh, he said that uh, if a monk is disobedient to uh, own spiritual father, this monk is going to many problems. He is going to encounter a lot of problems. And, uh, and it can really ruin holy spiritual life. And he said, but in the same way, or the same, fru same fruit comes uh, through disobedience of child towards parents. 
and uh, this is very good uh, like advice for for uh, our life here that um, maybe to uh, the, the, the same obedience as uh, we have to our spiritual father children should have towards their their, their parents you know the will of parents should be the law for a child this is uh, this I think Saint Theophandrakus he says this and says if this is not so this will become a source a lot of problems for whole family all right so let's go. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question? Yes. It says the struggle to achieve obedience is won by means of renunciation. Uh, I understand what renunciation means, but I don't. I don't have like a an idea of what that means. I mean, do I say I renounce? You know, whatever lying. I, no, no, I, no, no, no. No. Well, that's what I mean. So if you, if you, no, okay. <coughs> so if you are obedient. So we are losing something. You know that, uh, for example, uh, it's no example can. Well, it's renunciation of our own will, right? Renunciation of our will, yes. Yeah. But obedience to someone else means renunciation yeah. of our. It, it means like, look, one thing is that uh, you come for, uh, to your spiritual father for, and you are searching, okay, I have this kind of problem, what can I do? And for example, your spiritual father will tell you, look, your problem, the roots of your problem is that you um, are under like this passion of body. So to conquer your body. So start with simplifying your food. And uh, I know a priest who he once he complained that well I said, Well let's go to eat and I said, I cannot. <laughs> Why not? My spiritual father he gave me like strict fast, I can eat only from five o'clock. I can eat during the day. There was no fasting season, nothing, but at the time it was fast he needed. So what he was, that man was doing, he was renouncing food. He was renouncing his own will. He was renouncing his pleasures he would have. For example, in that case that my friend renounced this opportunity to have a good lunch and good discussion and and uh, meeting, you know, he, he had to say no to this. So this renunciation, which meant here, from obedience. Does it make sense? Well, it makes sense, but I mean, you know, uh, how, how do I know what, what to renounce? I mean, you know... You no, 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 no. You will know exactly because your spiritual father tell you what you are supposed to do. Okay, but I mean, if my spiritual father is Padre Pio and I'm, you know, I have his icon and I'm praying to him, 
Well, I am. I. I did. I tell Pater Pio to be your spiritual father. I. I gave you suggestions. We have to choose as spiritual fathers those who left us written instructions how to live spiritual life. So it. It is not that whatever saint mm -hmm. you have. How the patron saint, if you choose him, but you have to. If, if what I was talking about to choose a spiritual father among saints is, for example, we had this Briancha, you know. Right. So you choose a spiritual father. Right. Okay? Now you uh, I'll pray to him, ask for help every day, and every day you read a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay? And you try to follow what he says. So you try to follow what he says that what whatever you read that day. Yeah, well, not only okay. that day. Well, like, well, what I'm what I'm saying is, you know, so I'm going to read a paragraph. Okay, yes, a day. So once I read that paragraph that he gives a suggestion in, then I follow that. Yes. Yeah. Right. And usually you have to uh, renounce those many things which are goes against this. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah, well, that's why I asked. Because I yeah, sure, sure, know. good, good. But, well, it, it is important to choose among those who teach about spiritual life. For example, Pater Pio, he was not teaching about spiritual right. life. His role was different. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Uh, we have to choose among those who left us. Their their words are through God's providence were given to us, and which can help us to form our life. And so this is okay. Do not judge the actions of your spiritual father, but obey his commands. For the demons are in the habit of showing you his defects, so that your ears may be deaf to what he tells you. They aim either to drive you from the arena as a feeble and cowardly fighter, or simply to terrify you with thoughts that undermine your faith, and so to make you sluggish about every form of virtue. Well... As every good work, what we are doing is under attack of our enemy, invisible enemy. And uh, uh, if we are saying that this spiritual father is trying to form beautiful, some kind of ways or power um, or whatever, so demons are trying to make to deform this work. And uh, one thing how they are doing that, how they attack is, so it is they start to bring like uh, these bad thoughts about your spiritual father. And uh, many times it, uh, well, from my own experience is that uh, uh, when I came to seminary, 
so we had like ch chance to choose from a spiritual who was there all the time and then on a regular basis once per week there were coming like group of priests who were available and you could choose from those priests your spiritual father and for like when we were in the first year there so we were somehow allowed to try you know to go to one to another to another so we went to one to another and but then in the second year you expect some kind of stability already and uh, I know that there was one priest and I uh, what I heard uh, comments not directly but what I heard that they were, how they are talking about him I said well no I'm, I, I am not even to go to try so for one year I I didn't even I didn't bother even to try to visit him to talk to him because I was a, there was this influence of these comments I heard and well, I said it's not worth it too. And then second year, somehow I needed to talk to the prison. Somehow nobody was available. I don't know why. So, but he was. I said, oh, okay. And I found out that well, this is piece of treasure. And uh, when I was reading that, I recalled that it was like surprise for me. And I told myself that well, you cannot trust somehow others, you know, because. Many times, may, maybe even they didn't mean these words about the comments in bad way. But for sure it was work of the enemy who uh, gave me this way how to understand in a negative way. So this is, this is something what, what, uh, uh, um, what is very dangerous and, and uh, and, and you know many times that how many times uh, like this little rumor can ruin all this ability of priests to help. And, and this is happening very often. And, uh, and uh, it's important to avoid that because uh, you can become a barrier for those who might help, find help there. Um, um, and, and so, There are so many priests, very good priests, and just they they people are not using their like wisdom just because of these rumors destroy this. Uh, enemy, our enemy is skillful in that, and this is why uh, this in monastic like environment they ex they almost they they were they were practicing almost this blind obedience 
And many times this elder was like testing disciples. I remember one story was that uh, elder came, monks who were working in garden, and they putting this, uh, they were putting onion to the ground for growing in springtime, and he said, well, you are doing wrong. How wrong? Because they were putting like this roots correctly. He said, upside down, upside down. And they, as you wish, well, and they started to do it upside down, not questioning this craziness of their elder. They just did, uh, and they said they never had better harvest than this <laughs> And the elder they told him, look, this is a result of obedience. God, there were God's blessing over that because you were obedient. And many times they, these elders, they do this in monastic, you know, area. But, but, but many times, it seems to have many times when we come to our spiritual fathers and they tell us something, it, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. It's, but, well, if you follow that, very good fruit comes out. Very good fruit. Even, even if he's wrong in this, through obedience, God makes miracles. Because this obedience, it is something that is our protection against these attacks of enemy, of these lies he tries to put to our minds. You know, and, uh, okay, that's it. Craig has a question. Yes? I was just going to say that from what you were just talking about in the late 1990s, there was an, a priest from overseas who was phenomenal. Devoted his life to prayer, spiritual advice, several other things, and he was, parish was really growing, and uh, a lot of people were drawn into it spending more time in prayer, doing a lot of holy things, not superficial things. And there was a woman in the parish who was wanting the superficial things. And nobody knew who she was, and he didn't divulge the information until much, much later. But um, she was jealous of everyone's holiness. So she did what you were saying. She'd start rumors about someone that was growing in holiness. Oh, I saw her doing this, I saw her doing and it was slowly tearing down the parish from one person inside the parish that was starting rumor after rumor after rumor. And she got so bold that she literally started making up lies about the priest to the point where it caught fire and nobody was aware of what was happening. Mm -hmm. And he had to go back overseas. And their parish lost that phenomenal mm -hmm. priest. And then several years later, that parish was removed. And that was all from one bad seed that was relentless. It wasn't handed, handled it properly, put it that way. Well, it happens. <laughs> it was, uh, I was working as an internship type thing at St. Malachy's. And we would, every morning we would give out food to the people, the, the people that lived on the streets and you know, take care of their needs and things like that. Well then, the priest said, I want you to go down to the Westside Catholic Center 
because they give out food. They do the exact same thing we did, right? And all the way walking down there, I'm thinking to myself, why am I going over here? Because they do the same thing we do over there. Why do I have to go over here and do it when I can do it over there? And I'm just, you know, get myself all round up. I get there, and I listen to the experience of the people that were working there, etc. And all the way back, I'm going, I can't believe he was right. I can't believe, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's just, I just, you know, he was he was right again, you know? And it, and it just, that's, he didn't, he didn't think he was right. He was right. He was. He just did the right thing. He was. A, he was a holy, holy priest. But I resisted it until I got down there, and then I realized what he, that he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. I learned it's like once. Uh, what does it mean to be obedient? You know, and how. And I was. We were. Usually, as a seminarians during like. Summertime, we went uh, as a assistants with our ordinary. We didn't have bishop, but we had this administrator, and he became a bishop later. A oh, tough guy. And uh, usually, he he didn't trust priests to have correct like vessels for chalice or you know spoons, correct because he. Well, anyway, so he always brought like own stuff, um, except chalice, I think, others, everything. And it was our duty to pack everything after liturgy, put two to his car, and and uh, be done with that. And usually, when we went with him, so there was always like some kind of big celebration, and there was always like some kind of lunch. So we packed everything, and we we were sitting because we started to eat. It was a long day, so finally we were hungry, seminarians, and <laughs> and suddenly he came to us and he said, something was missing. This is missing. I said, I told him because I was the closest. I said, well, we will go to church and we will find it. Right? It will be fixed. And he took at me. And said, now, <laughs> no, no, we will. Now you go. <laughs> and, all right. <laughs> so then I learned that the well obedience means that well, if it means now. <laughs> it means now. But one thing I want to uh, explain, and maybe to make clear, because it is there's a difference between. Like father confessor and father spiritual father. Mm. Many times it is, it can be combined, if you wish. But it doesn't need to be. Okay? So this is like in this monastic uh, uh, environment, there were all these elders, uh, many times they were not priests, but they were spiritual fathers. So they listen this confession actively or these problems of this monk they gave they gave uh, them advice and then send them to priests go and get uh, absolution you know so it doesn't need to be necessary a priest or it doesn't necessarily to be during the confession it's very beneficial if it is connected but um, it doesn't and and this is why uh, 
I remember when my uh, cousin was ordained, and uh, there was like big pilgrimage, which what we have. It was still during communists, so only a limited number of priests could hear confessions there. You had to have permission for this big guy in this county, communist. And uh, uh, my cousin, he was like three months old priest, and he got this permission. And he was so happy. I, I understand, but he was happy that he got that. I remember my father, his reaction was, hmm, it's not good to give so young priest to hear confession at pilgrimage. And I remember as a seminarian at the time, I thought, well, why you don't want to let him to hear confession? He's priest, you know? He's a priest, so I, I, in, inside I didn't agree with my father. No, I, I agree with him <laughs> totally, <laughs> you know? Totally I agree with him. So it means that, like this, when I said the spiritual father should be somebody who uh, he's just matured spiritually, who has experience. Usually in this uh, like monastic area, in this, what we are reading about, these elders, those spiritual fathers were those who went through this process of cleansing of heart and mind who spent years and years in obedience themselves. Usually they say you can become elder when you bury your elder. When your elder dies, you can become an elder. So it's so your formation is over. Mm. So it is, and if we, if we talk about, uh, you know, like Patre Pio it was, uh, it was not from the beginning that that he had this ability to be good spiritual father. Rather than suffering sorrow, he became this very good spiritual father after years and years spent in solitude, cleansing their souls. If we talk about these famous elders from Optima Monastery, uh, all of them, they became elders when they really buried their elders and they spent this life in obedience and then went through this purification of soul mind uh, so they became elders and they were very uh, they had success in, in helping human souls so this is why I said that it is very important in our times you know uh, um, really really to take these sayings of spiritual fathers and then to search for spiritual father, to ask God, you know, to show me and to use what you have, what you find until you don't find somebody. Many times hell uh, finds that uh, your, uh, your spiritual father you find, maybe he will be that one who will point you to another one, who will send you or make suggestion, go there. So it is. It is uh, you just to to have clarity in this. Um, all right.
I said to have clarity, but still, it is many times it is difficult to find <laughs> this clarity.